All right, hey, what's going hey. on, America? And welcome to a new episode of the Dear America podcast. Let's back just in jump studio. back in studio. Thank goodness. Let's just jump right to it, ladies and gentlemen. One of one of my top five singers of all. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, uh, my good friend uh, John Cooper is here. Applause for John. John, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you doing? Good, good. I wish you could get some more inner uh, something a bit more energetic to open the show with. <laughs> well, you uh, know, I'll look into it. If you uh, would license like, us the ability to do a skillet song on the beginning, ooh, we would do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. No, I think what you have is 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 good. I feel like I could wrestle a wrestle a, you know, a cougar if I had to. Yeah, that was an immediate. The legalities of. Letting you use that would be horrific, Graham. That's a no. That's a hard no. No, that's not a no. It's just uh, what you have going was good. It, it made me all pumped up. I felt like I'm I'm ready to do a full what they call the cage match. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know that is a an actually uh, that's a local non signed you know band of friends of mine. And uh, oh wow, yeah, and they just. Uh, you know, I told him, "Hey, man, I really love the solo of that of that song you guys do. Uh, you mind if I remix it for the show?" And they said, "Yeah." And so, there it is. Dude, it's so. sick. Dude, they did a great job. It reminds me of early Helmet. Yeah, 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 Helmet? yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I, I, I loved Helmet. It's, I mean, nineteen ninety four. Yeah. There was this really dark undercurrent of. Uh, I mean, you already you had Nirvana, you had the grunge stuff. But around '94 is when that deep dark stuff. You had you had well, Corn Corn's first yeah. record was probably '93 ish, I think. Um, you had Helmet, uh, the early Tool stuff. I was a big fan of the early Tool. Yeah, very dark right. and deep. So anyway, we're not here to talk about music. No, I'm no, no, especially not Tool. <laughs> especially in this conversation. <laughs> uh, but 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 basically, John, man, you know, uh, you're a regular on the show at this point. Everybody kind of knows. Um, what you do, uh, where you stand, et cetera. But a couple weeks ago, you sent me an article from CNN. And, and um, as you know, we've started venturing off more into the faith side, kingdom side, you know, really trying to focus on what I believe is the only path forward for America. And, and that's through Jesus. That's through God. That, that's through America finding its uh, affecting the soul of America instead of affecting uh uh, the politics of America, because I believe you affect the soul, you affect the politics. Uh, but two weeks ago, um, you listened to a speech that I did at a church, and you sent me this article, and and it was a white Christian nationalist article from CNN. And um, I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but but I read it, and I think I responded to you something <laughs> like, you know, I, I think I'm dumber for reading this or something like that. But since that article... I've seen more and more and more things start to pop up. And so my political conspiracy mind is starting to go into a frizzy. Basically, I think that this is um, the, you can call it the left, you can call it the government, you can call it evil, you can call it whatever you want. I think that this is their beginning defensive response for what me and you have talked about a lot, which I believe is a new generation of of future pastors, preachers, evangelists, et cetera, that are starting to wake up to what the big C church has been doing. Um, and, and I just thought me and you could dissect it and talk about it if, if you're up for it. 
Yeah, I'd love to. You know, I mean, I think, you know, uh, as you know, uh, I've been watching your show for a long, long time before, you know, before we got to know each other. I think I have a pretty good idea who your audience is at this point. We've <laughs> yeah. done enough. And and I just want to say this to start with, because you, you, you cast a really wide net. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that, that love your show that aren't necessarily Christian or Absolutely. aren't necessarily religious or they're like, you know, I, I like the values of America. Maybe they even recognize that those values were kind of came from Christianity, but it doesn't mean they have to be a, a Christian or, or even a church going evangelical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there are some people that might be going, eh, this conversation isn't for me, but that is not true. This yeah. conversation is, uh, it's going to affect you. Um, we're going to get to that, but I want people to understand that as soon as we're starting, just because this is called, you know, Christian nationalism, this is a broader, uh, a much, much broader battle that is happening. It's a sneaky way to do it, but it really matters. So I would love to talk to you about it. It's one of the, I would say it's one of the first things that I have been on the front end of, you know, meaning that I kind of, I kind of came into this stuff getting into politics a little bit, you know, later, a lot of the things I'm saying, a lot of people have been saying for a long time before me, I'm just trying to do my part, but I was on the front end of noticing this Christian nationalism thing Yeah, because I started, because I, it was, it was happening in the Christian, what I would call it the theologian world, you know, the, the intelligentsia of Christianity, which doesn't affect all Americans, except that it does because the church in America is such a force to be reckoned with, especially right. when you're talking about if you just want to look at it at raw voting block, you know, the church yeah. in America has largely been <clears throat> what 80 percent vo voting for conservatives. And so, right. it, in other words, if you're on the left and you want to start etching away at that voting base, sort of like how the left is freaking out right now because conservatives were etching away at the Latina vote. You know right. what I mean? All, the, all of a sudden we're starting to see a finding out, guess what? There's a lot of um, uh, Hispanic people, Latina people that are very conservative in, in their views of the family, especially religion. So, so we're etching away at that. Well, at the same time, the left is etching away at the, the, uh, the, the church vote, if you want to call it that by by putting these very socialistic doctrines into the Christian church, wokeness, the social justice gospel, all of that is coming mm -hmm. in. So it's going to affect people whether you're actually religious or not. Yeah, I think that um, that the government and I think that the news and the mainstream media and, you know, you can go uh, for, for the listeners that aren't Christians, you can say it this way, that the government and the media does not want the church to be loud. They do not want the church to speak up. On the spiritual side of things, you can say that the devil, the evil doesn't want the church to be strong, to be loud, to be to 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 be in their righteous anger uh with their, you know, the power that is given to them through God, by God, etc. Um <clears throat> what was interesting to me, I did a little bit of research before we got on this on this interview and, and and you know there's been there's this guy that's wrote this book about white christian nationalism and the threat to american democracy and i watched his interview on cnn and first of all anybody that has anything to say about what's a threat to american democracy automatically does not have the educational credentials to be speaking about it in the first place america is not a democracy America is a constitutional 
republic. And the people that don't understand the difference between those two things, I find baffling in the first place, but that's neither here nor there. John, before we start talking about this in depth, did you know that there is a five-question quiz now to figure out if you've fallen for Christian nationalism. Do you want to take the five-question quiz <laughs> with me right now? Because this is a real thing. This is a real thing. A five-question quiz to figure out if you have fallen victim to uh, Christian nationalism. Okay? Uh, yeah. Is this yeah. cool with you? No. you? I'm going to answer as well, so you won't be alone in this. I'm going to answer <laughs> well, as well. Let me interrupt you. Yes, I'm aware of that, and I just want to mention to people that what's really, in my view, uh, scary about this is that this is not coming from academia. No. This is coming from from Christians. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there is a war within cr the Christian church in America about what true Christianity even is right. and how we should act. And it is now the academia of Christianity, if you will, that is putting this kind of stuff out. Yeah. So all that to say, everybody watching your show, even if they are not a Christian is going to be a Christian nationalist, yes. which is why, which is why I say it's going to affect you. So go forward. with the you know what's never good? When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time fully understand. Well, you know, Janet, who did understand, that would be real Americans and the people who invested in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. They're protecting your savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying their 401k or IRA into gold, physical gold. And it's not too late for you to take action now. Text the word Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to 989898 and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, text the word Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to 989898 for a free, no-obligation info kit now. Okay, so question one, before we deep dive into this, I feel it important for us to identify what uh, these Christian academics view us to be, right? So question number one, all right, and basically it's a fill in the blank, and the instructions are you have to either insert the word America or Jesus in the blank of these questions. Does that make sense, what, what I just said? So, so, so there's only two answers in this, either America or or Jesus, and they've asked five questions, and they have a blank, and you got to pick America or Jesus in those in those questions. Okay. So question one says, "Blank is the world's best last hope." Is that America or Jesus? Right. <laughs> and so I'm going to say Jesus. Jesus is the world's best last hope. I'm curious your thoughts. Well, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Jesus is absolutely the uh, the world's only hope. Yes. 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 Okay. Now this one's even more peculiar to me. This is okay. real stuff. Okay. Question number two, blank is the savior of the world. 
America or Jesus? <laughs> I'm saying I'm not making this up. This is this is I'm not even trying to be See, funny. This, this is this real. Is actually, a different quiz than the one that I, that I've heard. The, so I'm I'm experiencing this real time. Okay, <laughs> Je- I'm gonna it. I'll answer first. Jesus so is the savior of the world. Okay, Wait, really? Yes. I, John, you're you're, you're yes. You're, okay, all course. right. So number three. All right. This is a this is two blanks here. The only way for us to live up to the promise of blank is to give blank our all and to give it for all of us. So the only way for us to live up to the promise of Jesus is to give Jesus our all and to give it for all of us. Those are my answers. Jesus and Jesus. Um <laughs> I don't even go. understand the grammar of that. Uh, yeah, it's not the best of grammar, but <laughs> and I can't give I can't give all of my heart to Jesus for all of everyone else because we don't believe in collective salvation. Yep. Nor do we believe in a collective guilt like we're we're told by people like uh Ibram Kendi. I've got Ibram Kendi's new uh, book right here with me, stamped for kids. So now we get to teach our kids exactly about how terrible the country is, but we'll get to that in a little while. Yeah, anyway. I'm, I'm going to eliminate the last part of that bad <laughs> sentence and just say the only way for us to live up to the promise of Jesus is to give Jesus our all. Of course. I, I'll, go, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. <clears throat> all right, number four, we must keep blank first in our hearts. This is real. This is real life right now. We, <clears throat> we must keep America or Jesus first in our hearts. Yeah. Jesus. Of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. And then number five, <clears throat> blank is the light and glory among the nations. America or Jesus. <laughs> this is so dumb. And, and <laughs> no, no. So, so, so Jesus, Jesus is the answer. Jesus obviously. is the answer. Yes, okay. Yes. Now, what it says is it says if you guessed America every time, you are correct. And if you guessed Jesus every time, you have fallen for Christian nationalism. <laughs> that, that, that's what, oh, that's a nice twist. <laughs> that's, what, that's what this says, that if you picked America every time, you're correct, that America should be the answer to all those. And if you pick Jesus, then you're a Christian Nationalist. Really? This is. I've, I've never read this. This, this is, is here. I'll. I'll, this I'll is a send it. Spin. I'll send it to you right here. Hold on. I'm. I'm literally going to text it to you right now, uh, and you can. You can read all this uh, here. Hang on one second, because I want you to. So just something else. Maybe you can talk about it on your show uh, next here. Ten signs you've fallen for Christian nationalism. You should have it right there, <laughs> in your uh, in your phone. But as we talk about this, 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 this article or this blog goes down <clears throat> some different things here. So what I thought is we would dissect what they say white Christian nationalism actually is. We can talk about what we agree and what we don't, because there's, there's things on here that I agree with. And then there's also things that I disagree that they're saying as well. So it says, uh, to, it says with, a t- with a hat tip towards Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a Christian nationalist if you think America's founders were evangelical Christians. So that's the first thing uh, that, that it says uh, about that. Um, you know, I've made the argument multiple times that America was founded on Judeo-Christian values. Um, do I believe that the founding fathers were swinging from the rafters Pentecostals? Um, 
Not necessarily at that point. I mean, Ben Franklin, good lord, was a <laughs> was a sex addict. Uh, you know, in the, he wasn't in, the greatest guy. in caves of France and things like that. But I do firmly believe that the foundational principles that were America were founded through a biblical lens and Judeo Christian values. John, I'm curious what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I even think. If you don't mind, I wouldn't even mind just saying from the get, because I know that you know, a lot of people are like, what's the bottom line with all this stuff? I, I just want to say this because I think you're dead right. All that's really going on is basically <clears throat> just a new propaganda tool yeah. to just mm-hmm. to just beat against anybody that's conservative. All that they really want to do is say this. If you if you um, are conservative then you broke into the Capitol on January 6th. Yeah. <laughs> if you voted for Trump, you broke into the Capitol. You're a Christian nationalist. If you don't like Trump, but you decide, well, I'll vote for him because I really like him better than I like Hillary Clinton, you're a Christian nationalist. If you if you go to a church um, that espouses traditional family values, you're a Christian nationalist. All it is is another propaganda mm-hmm. tool. The reason it's so unbelievably scary for what's happening in the Christian church is that these Christian thinkers, they are basically just pumping anti-Americanism. It's uh, it's socialistic stuff like wealth redistribution, uh, neo-Marxist thinking, social justice ideology. They are so pumping that into the, to the church that they just had to come up with a new name because in reality, as you said, Graham, there, there are some things to be concerned about. There are, there is such a thing as scary Christian nationalism. Oh for yeah, of course. Of course. Right. <clears throat> if, if somebody says Jesus Christ is Lord and Trump is his prophet. Yeah. Well, that's kind of yeah. scary. Yeah. That's a, and, problem. a little bit. And, and are there people like that? Yeah. There's like three of them. There's like yeah. three people. I've never met anybody like none of us have ever met people like this. Yeah. We don't, we don't know them. Um, and, and even when we denounce them, we still get called Christian nationalists. Right. You'll never get away from it. It's just like they call us racist or fill in the blank phobic about whatever thing that you don't mm-hmm. celebrate. So going back to, to the to the question, because let's just say that they all actually were. Let's right. just say they were. They weren't, but let's just say that they were. We would still be called Christian nationalists. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't actually make a difference anyway, uh, either way. But you're right. The country is founded on... Um, uh, Christian Judeo ethics. There's no question about that. The Ten Commandments were in schools. The Ten Commandments were in courtrooms. You go into a courtroom still today, and you what do you do? You put your hand on a Bible. Why are you swear? Why aren't you swearing on the Quran? Right. Why aren't you swearing on uh, whatever else? Uh, you know, Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. Why are you swearing on a Bible? You're swearing on the Bible because the 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 founding fathers whether they were distinctly followers of Jesus Christ, some of them were theists, some of them were loosely religious or whatever, but they all believed there was an authority. There was a, a, absolutely a a Mm -hmm. God, a higher, yes, a higher authority. Uh And they, they called that authority God in their writings, you know? And so the whole thing is just a little bit, we're playing semantic games just so the the left can win something. All right, guys, listen up. Let's just be honest. Other wireless providers suck. 
Yes, they suck. I said it. Yes, they're horrible. They're nickel and diming you. They're taking all your money and they're giving it to woke liberal causes. So stop messing with those and go to a company that I trust. Check out Pure Talk. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network today. All you got to do is go to puretalk.com and use the promo code GRAHAM. That's G-R-A-H-A-M. The average family saves over 75 bucks a month. And with Pure Talk, you're not just supporting American jobs, not sending them overseas to countries that hate us. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you have literally nothing to lose. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code GRAHAM and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched to Pure Talk services in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and enter the promo code GRAHAM next well i'm glad you said that right there because another point that they that they have in here is uh you might be a christian nationalist if you want mandatory christian prayers in public schools so to me that is a very semantic uh, twisting statement do i believe that prayer should be allowed in schools absolutely Mm -hmm. do i believe that it should be mandated and forced on all people to do it no matter what? No, no, that, that that's not, but, but that's also not what we're saying either. When we talk about uh, the government and public schools are removing God out and we have a problem with that, we mean that they're not allowing prayer at all in schools. And that's what we have a problem with. People that want yes. to should be allowed to be able to do that in those things. But they're twisting it around to try to make it sound like we want to be the authoritarians and we want to force uh, like kind of this Christian uh, almost like coup, almost, is it, it seems how they're trying to twist these things. To force, yeah, they're acting as if we want to force all Americans to be Christians, which is is blatantly not the, true. We would love for all Americans to be Christians. Uh, we, we would love it, but we're not trying to do that, nor do we think that's even possible, right. nor do we even think that's how you become a Christian. You don't Correct. become a Christian because you're outwardly doing something that someone says you have to do. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually the opposite of what the Bible says. Exactly. You become a Christian from the inside, and it transforms the way you act on the outside. So yep. the whole thing isn't true, but, but think about it like this, Graham. I'm about to blow somebody up. Do yeah, it. I, I, it's the Christian left. I call them the Christian left. They are the socialists. And you, for anybody watching on video, I wore this shirt specifically for you. <laughs> All right. You know what it says? We smell commies up in here. A bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of Christian commies is what these people are. Here, the same Christian commies that um, will not fight against all right, they will not join with Ron DeSantis yeah. and fight against teaching your five-year-old kid about transgender ideology. They will not fight against that in schools, but they will fight against having prayer in schools. These are Christians. Yep. So so they, they've traded something that's good and then they've they're for something that's bad. And it really makes it makes me really sick to my stomach because they don't hold the same, they don't hold the same consistent worldview. So here's the thing. Let's just say this. Before prayer in school was ended, right? So we're talking about what was that, 1960 or something like that? I can't remember what it was. Prayer was not mandatory. Right. You 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 could pray. You cannot pray. No one, no one is treated differently because they, they, they do or they don't. 
we had the moment of silence thing, which is yeah. like a little bit of your compromise. Okay. It's a <clears> moment <throat> just to be quiet. You can pray or you can write a note to your girlfriend or we, you can we, we had, we had meet you at the poll where everybody would, would, would yeah, go meet to you the poll and yeah, then go to the flag cool pole and everybody in the nineties. Yeah. 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 We had that. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's forcing you to do it. So now you don't even have moment of silence because I mean, we just had this, uh, who's, who's the football, the high school football coach in Texas that they just finally remember they, 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 they kicked it. They, oh, the they Supreme court him. case. Yeah. The Supreme yeah, court yeah, case. Yep. Yep. It took and, like five years, yep. five or six years. This guy loses his job because yep. after a football game, he goes and prays. He's, yep. it's not, he goes and prays alone. And a couple of the kids say, Hey, can I join you for prayer after the game? That, I mean, that is, that is so harmless. So the fact that you have Christian commies, um, saying we can't do that. You're forcing people to become Christians, but they will never stand up against the tide of authoritarian leftist stuff, like te- teaching your kids about transgender ideology and yada yada at five and six year old uh, kindergarten, first grade. It, it really makes me sick. It's a really fit. It shows you where they're really at. These are political actors. Let, let, let me throw, let, let me throw, um, let me throw something at you and, and, and let's see if it, it sparks something just, and while we've been talking, this has popped up in my it as well, you know, th- this is, as you put it, this isn't just like the government or the left. Like these are Christian academics, theologians, uh, as you would call it, uh, the Christian left. I call it woke Christianity. It's same difference. Same thing. Um, it, it, it's starting to feel like to me, because me and you have talked about this. I truly, truly deep in my spirit, I believe this. And me and you have talked about it. I believe that people in the church side of things, like yourself, I I believe that slowly those people are starting to be turned, you can call it on the grace side. I believe that those people on the grace side are slowly starting to be turned a little more to the truth side. And then you've got people like me who have been on the truth side that are slowly starting to be turned toward the grace side. And I truly believe that we're all headed for this collision course that is going to be this gigantic movement for God. That's what I believe. And and, and you're going to have, like I said, a new generation of pastors, evangelists, missionaries, church planners, et cetera, that don't look like people think they should look like. They don't sound like people think they should sound like, et cetera. And, and I, I believe that we still have in America some of the greatest spiritual revivals yet to happen. That's what I believe. I I believe that to be the case. And so what I want to throw at you is it seems to me like maybe a lot of this would be less about the government trying to shut down the voices of Christians that see what's going on, they're speaking out against it, et cetera, and challenging it too. It almost feels like there is the big C church infrastructure and organization possibly behind this as well, uh, because they don't want Christians to challenge them and to question, why are you not speaking about that? Or why are you saying this, but not that? Uh, Why are you not being, um, uh, what's the word, transparent with your books of where tithes and offerings go? What, 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 you know, it seems to me that these big infrastructures don't want that. And so now this spin of trying to demonize people that are simply asking questions and standing up is, 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 is happening. What do you think? Well, I think, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of good stuff in that. I mean, like, look, I know that you cover this on your show. Um, I covered it on my show as well. 
I think I think the curtain got completely pulled back on these uh, pastors, um, the intelligentsia, the woke Christian thought leaders, whatever you want to call them. The curtain got completely pulled back when Roe uh, Ro got overturned. Right. And all of a sudden, all these <clears throat> pastors went dead silent. Yep. Or or they, they said, well, this is good, but. Yeah. But they had this giant caveat. And I think that that was the one thing. The abortion issue was the one thing that was sort of holding all of the evangelicals together. Like, okay, we can't agree on all this other stuff, but we all kind of agree on abortion. Guess what? We don't all agree on abortion. Right. And we all just found out when Roe, when, when, when the curtain got, you know, pushed back on that, it's really, really sad. And uh, I, I will say this. I do think it's worth speaking out as you do against the government when they come in and they clamp down on us for uh, freedom of speech, religious liberty, shutting down our churches uh, because of a pandemic and stuff like that. We should speak out against the government, but that's not really what makes me mad. What makes me mad is the false teaching of the woke Christian intelligentsia. And that's what it is. It is false teaching. I think they finally feel they have a seat at the table because the world, the, the world's intelligentsia is now kind of accepting them. They they'll begin to let some of them write think pieces for the Atlantic, you know, people right. that were for, formerly concerned, like David French. Yeah, you know, oh, your favorite guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I David <laughs> French is number one on my my list. I mean, <laughs> David French used to be a cons, a Christian conservative writer, yeah. and every single week, David French is attacking white Christian nationalists. And he's certainly talking about me. He's certainly talking about you. He's talking about even a lot of the people that are watching our show right now yeah. who are not even Christians. He's talking about you. All of a sudden, even if you're not a Christian, you're like some warrior that wants to force everyone else to be a Jesus follower, which makes no sense because these people are now, they're batting for the other team, man. That's just the way it is. So... <sighs> Every it seems like there's evolutions of everything. So eight years ago, I started all of this and I started all of this with identifying. It's kind of weird how the parallels have happened and it's weird how God works. So about eight years ago, I saw on the political side, on the culture side, if you will, that there was this 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 thing in front of us that needed to be said, these things that were wrong that needed to be called out. But I noticed that either through fear of losing their jobs, fears of repercussions within their families, et cetera, people were afraid. Me and you have even talked about it, even in your, your music industry, you know, like we've talked about the fears that you used to have about speaking out against certain things that were going on, et cetera. And so we started saying, well, you know, we'll say it, right? Like I ain't got nothing else to lose. Why not? Now it seems to me that, we went to an era, and, and and I know, I know you guys that are listening. Let me get it out before you turn the, the 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 thing off. Okay, let me get it all the way out. I feel like we went down a wrong road where we started idolizing politicians, and we started looking to our politicians as the directions that we need to mm. go, and we started looking at our politicians to save us. And as we have seen, and as we know, and especially myself seeing behind the curtain of politics like I have, 
That is the dumbest thing that you could ever possibly do, is think that a politician is going to save this country or save this thing. Now, do I believe that God can use politicians to uh, make good decisions and to, you know, seek wise counsel in their decisions? Absolutely. But we went down this really, really bad road of idolizing politicians and wanting politicians to affect the church. The church started waiting on politicians to say things, do things, make things into law. So the church would be like, oh, okay, we can talk about that stuff now. Instead of what we should have been doing the entire time is, yeah, Jesus should be and God should be. I guess this makes me a white Christian nationalist. I guess God, so. God should be the beacon of which politicians look to. Uh, God should be the beacon of where we get our moral compass and our decisions of what we do. And God is the only thing that's not going to let us down. It's going to save us. So now it seems like people like yourself, John, people like us that are now starting to try to, how do I say it, right the ship, now the forces are coming out against us because they see a legitimate threat. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a great place to start. And I think this is something, you know, I don't know how many di people that vote Democrat are watching now. I hope there are some. We got a couple um, one stars, so they're here. <laughs> they could. I hope they're here. And this is a place where we can find a little bit of common ground. People on the right and the left do this. We do. We idolize politicians. Mm -hmm. We put all of our hope into Trump or whoever. If you're if you're a Democrat, you put all, Obama, hope and change. Obama was a very messianic figure for a lot of people on the left. Yeah. Just like Trump is a messianic figure for a lot of people on the right. We shouldn't be doing that. And that is why I think we should be open about Christian conservatism because Christian conservatism knows better than to idolize a politician because yeah. politicians are, are just men. That's what the Bible says. In fact, David says it in the book of songs, uh, book of Psalms. He says, let the nations know they are but men. God, let ever we are nothing but men. We're we're going to be here for a short time and we're going to be gone. But there is a Lord who is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And when we base our systems of law and, and government and authority underneath his reign, then, then all of a sudden we're going to find out that we live in a country that is thriving, that is blessed, where people are flourishing. And we should be unapologetic about that. And, and I think I would argue, and I think you would probably argue, that's the reason that America has been so incredibly blessed. It's not because we didn't make mistakes. Slavery, I, I, it's the first thing that people say, you telling me we're blessed because sla slavery was evil. Everybody says that slavery was evil, yeah. but we tried to rectify those things. We tried to we tried to do our best to make it better, to move forward, to, to, to see how, you know, we, I mean, America gave a gift to the world. We're the first nation on earth that said, that declared all men are created equal. Yeah, we had a lot of sins, but we did give a gift to the world in that. So I think, yes, we don't need to idolize politicians. I do think that we have an issue in the church, that the church has become statist in general, we've looked to we're looking to the government to be the source of everything right. to fix all of our problems. That that's not good. But but we also have a lot of these Christian thinkers. Man, they are just uh, they are advocating for for pluralism, and they and they think that that's a good thing. Pluralism is actually not a good thing. That is not how this country started. 
as you say, all the founding fathers, they were not Christian, but they, you know, like famously John, John Adams says this, this, the way we live, our constitution, our laws, this is created specifically for a religious and moral people. Right. If we, if we are not religious and moral, then this isn't going to work. In other words, you're going to have maximum amount of liberty in America if we are a religious and moral people. Yeah. But if we are not a moral people, we are going that 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 liberty is going to become license for doing evil. And and so yes, we have freedom of speech and you can say whatever you want to say, but if you take morality out of it, well all of a sudden freedom of speech becomes pornography. It becomes smut, it becomes yeah. license and all the, and now you're into anarchy you know, or extreme libertarianism and anarchy and, and whatnot. So I think the churches, as you said, they got weak and they didn't want to hurt people's feelings. And they said, well, we're not going to teach about any of that. We're going to let all the politicians do it. And nothing could be a bigger mistake than letting a politician teach you about morality. Yeah. That is not a good idea. No, I agree. And, and, and I like that you brought up the Constitution and the Declaration here, because actually that's another point that they have in here. And so I really want to address this because I have said this a lot, not only on the show, but but in front of uh, people all over the country. I've talked about this. Um, this says <clears throat> that you may be a white Christian nationalist if you believe the dec- the Declaration of Insta. <laughs> if I can talk, see, <laughs> you believe the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are divinely inspired. You might be a white. Uh, Christian nationalist, if you believe the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are divinely inspired. And so I'll go first um, on this. I absolutely believe that all of that was divinely inspired. And, and, and I've said this multiple times, our founding fathers changed the course of human history. Period. Human history, whether you believe human history is 2,000 years, whether you believe it's, you know, 175 million years, no matter what, the Founding Fathers changed the course of human history. The first people, and the the, the most amazing thing of it is, they wrote it before they even won the war. Like, like, like they wrote these amazing things that, in my opinion, there's no way that just mere men— could have the forethought and the, 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 all men are created equal. Life, among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All this stuff to create a constitution that can be amended because they know they're not going to get it right at the beginning. To me, I guess I'm a white Christian nationalist. I, you can't tell me that God did not have his hand in that some way, somehow. Yeah, you know, I think I can bring a little bit of of um, some of this is semantics, and I think I can help people who who want to get into the weeds on this. I'm going to disagree with you slightly. Which okay, I know do you it. Don't mind? Yeah, go for um, it. But but I think it it could be semantics, or else I disagree with you slightly. So here here we go. When people use the word inspired for for people that that are into theology and Bible theology, that is a word that we that they that is used specifically for how 
how the people who wrote the Bible, the prophets, all right, so the, uh, Moses and the people who are writing the, uh, the, uh, the Bible, they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So God is God is putting his words into their mouths, and they spoke as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. That's sort of the language of the original text. So when you talk about inspiration, all of a sudden, when you're reading Moses's words, you're not really reading Moses's words. You are reading God's words. Right. So that word inspiration there has a specific meaning that I would not import into uh, the Constitution. I don't think that that the founding fathers were. Uh, it wasn't really, uh, you know, whoever, you know, that this founding father wasn't John Adams saying this or that, or the other, it was actually God saying that I would not absolutely not say that, but sometimes in the general, the way that we, we just talk, you know, we say, do you think that that was like, you know, do you think God had a hand in that yada, yada, here's the test. Whenever somebody would accuse me of being a Christian nationalist, because I do value the constitution. And I, if I say, I do think, I do think that, that God had a hand in putting this together. I think he was leading these people. I would say to them, do you think that God was leading Martin Luther King Jr. to give his, I have a dream speech. Do you think that that could be quote inspired by God? Uh, I, don't I mean, see what you're saying. Yeah. You yeah, say, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. 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 I got you. I got you. And, yeah. And all of them would say, of course, I would say, of course, I wouldn't say inspired in the same way I say the Bible is inspired. But yeah. in other mm -hmm. words, do I think there's an element of, hey, I do think that that God is involved here. God is saying something really good here. Maybe even uh, uh, I, I, we have all these semantical words. I think the Constitution is like that. It's brilliant. The Constitution is absolutely brilliant. It had never been done in the history of, of mankind. But the truth is, is that. Our founding fathers, whether they were actually born again Christians or not, some of them were, they were so impacted uh, by the reformers from the Reformation. Yep. So you're you're not going to have the Constitution without John Calvin yep. and without Martin Luther and without the Puritan thinkers. Right? You are not going to have the Constitution of America without that because yep. the Reformation thinkers was a return to Old Testament uh, Jewish law. And Jewish republicanism, you, um, in 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 the Old Testament, in the Bible. I know a lot of people don't want to get that deep into it, but if you were to read it, you would find out. Guess what? There are checks and balances. There are tribes. There are people that are representatives of hundreds and thousands of people, and each one of them has a representative. And even the king is actually has to submit to a higher authority, right. which is God. Yeah. So the king, the king can be removed. And we see that when, when King David sinned and whatnot, God sends a prophet in and, 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 and the prophet comes in and says, Hey, you sinned before God and the people are not going to put up with that. And so I think that what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that a lot of it is semantics. There is something to be concerned about just to be fair, to be devil's advocate. If people think that the Bible and the constitution are on equal footing, they oh, are not on equal footing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, Which absolutely. You don't, but again, are there two or three people in America that believe that? Yes. Right. But there's not that many people that actually believe it. And we should not confuse the two. No, no, yeah. no. I, yeah. I, I, of like, course. I like that. And that's why I love having you on the show because, because you're so much smarter than me. And, and, and I, I like, I like the way you broke that down because when I say things like, I believe that God had his hand 
in the formation of America, the founding documents, et cetera. What I mean is very much like what you said. I believe God is God had his hand in that. And, 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 but, but the way that they're saying it, like you broke it down, the word inspired, et cetera, et cetera, they want to make it seem like us Christians believe that God literally spoke the words that are written in our constitution. And then therefore that is the word of God, our constitution. And it is in equal playing fields with the Bible, which obviously and absolutely is not what I'm saying at all. Yes. Um, they're play- what, what a big surprise. They're playing leftist word games. Yes. No, yes. One, no one would see that coming, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> my argument, my argument in that is if I can try to say it better is that I just have a hard time believing that God didn't have a hand in some way, a group of men, imperfect for sure, changing the course of human history for the better. I just have a hard time believing that God didn't have his hand in that, in in, in one way or another. Um, yeah, but can, can I interrupt you real yeah, quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, yeah. Another thing that is happening, these churches, now again, we're not talking about Political leftists. We are talking about Christian leftists. Yeah, they would they would disagree with something else you just said. Uh-huh. They would disagree that America has done a lot of good in the world. They do not like America. They yeah. are anti-American, and that is kind of what this is about. What they what they want to say is is that uh, John Cooper or, or or Graham, when you say that America was founded on Christian principles and blah blah blah, we find that offensive. Because we don't think America is good. We think America is oppressive. It is colonialistic. It is imperialistic. It is racist. It was born in racism. Um, In fact, I got this book. This is Ibram Kendi. A lot of people know Ibram Kendi as he wrote How to Be an Anti-Racist. And he wrote a book called Stamped from the Beginning. He's a critical race theorist, a leftist, yada, yada. This right here, I just got in the mail, Stamped for Kids. So this is wow. the kids version. So all of your kids can grow up and, and, and understand. And I just wanted to read this. This is page 18. Okay. And, he, and they say, we're pausing. He says, think about the way. Uh, that that things are connected. He goes, think about what racist ideas have been connected so far, skin color, money, religion, land. So this is absolutely teaching your kids. America is not a good place. There, uh, the, Christianity was used in all these really evil ways to make us think that we are a good nation. And he's tying racism and religion together. So now what you have is Christian leftists that want to get away from America and they want to say America is actually bad and America's racist and yada, yada. And, and, and they, they can't find a way to kind of synthesize these two ideas that Christianity is really good, but that America is not good. And right. so they are trying to do that by brandishing, uh, branding anybody that likes America as some sort of Christian nationalist racist. Well, John, my, my, my question is then, and, and I know that it's, you know, how do you understand, you know, what people who don't make any sense do? I guess this is just me in saying that if, if, if the woke Christian left um, believes that America isn't good, that America is this oppressive place, that America is this bad place, I guess my question is, <clears throat> what's good? You know, what, what's yeah. a, what, what, I mean, and I'm serious, like, you know, I, I mean, truly, what would be the idea of what is a good place? Yeah, that's it. 
That's exactly right, Graham. I remember I had you on my my podcast, I think about a year ago, and I was basically like, if America isn't great, where is? Where do you want to go live right now, bro? Yeah. You want to go to Canada? You know, um, I you know, I never I never got the jab, and I have a producer. <laughs> yeah. So I have a producer that that lives in uh Canada, and we, we wrote a song together, and he said, Fly up here, we're gonna finish the song for Skillet. And uh, and I said, Well, I can't, I cannot get into your country. It's an impossibility for me to come into your, they're still on like lockdown and stuff. I mean, where else do you want, do you want to live? And that's the reason, you know, you said earlier in the program, when we first started, when the left talks about democracy, you know, and you said, well, first of all, they're not really understanding what America is, but this is part of it. When the Christian, when the woke Christians talk about democracy, they're not talking about like what a lot of people mean is (laughs) it's just semantics. They mean it more like the French revolutionaries talk about democracy. Mm. So in the French revolution, when they talk about democracy, really what they mean is absolute freedom, absolute freedom to do anything that I want to do. It's almost like anarchy, which is is what the French revolution was. And but for the French, for anarchy to happen, which they call, quote, democracy, you have to revolt against religion. You have to revolt against God. You have to revolt against traditional morality and this any and this kind and this. of barriers of any kind, any kind of uh, boundaries Absolutely. of any kind. Yeah. So you can have what they would call true democracy and the democracy. That's not like that is not what we live in in America. But to answer your question, the woke Christians, they actually want they don't know what they want because they don't really study political philosophy. But what they want is some sort of uh, socialist utopia, pluralistic society where the state controls things. That's basically what they want. And they have not read enough history to understand the kind of death. Like they think America's oppressive. You think America's oppressive? Look at what's happened through through Marxism. I'm writing a new book right now, Graham. I haven't announced it yet, but I'm writing get about, a copy. I promise. Uh, you, you know I will, baby. Okay, um, all right. But we're writing, I'm writing about this right now. It is this woke utopian idea and Christians are joining in with the left without knowing that eventually their heads are going to be the ones in the, in the guillotines. That's just the way it is. You you may be the last one to get your head chopped off, but right. it, they're going to come for you. So, so, so let's switch it to, to, to more practical terms here. Let's talk about the church. And, 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 and when I say the church, the actual church is us, right? Like, like the, the, the people, like the, the people in the church. But when most people talk about the church, they automatically think about the four walls, the building, et cetera. Right. So there are, issues happening in our leadership, our pastors, our, our infrastructure of the church, et cetera. Me and you have talked, uh, at nauseum about this and we can probably continue to do it for the next 20 years. Um, in your opinion right now, cause I know, I know, <laughs> I know what all the things that I've talked about and I know the audience has heard me say it enough in your opinion, what is the biggest problem facing the American church, the American church leadership right now? Because there's a lot of people looking for our pastors to stand up, to speak truth, to to not back down, to be bold, to, to, to speak out on the atrocities that are happening every single day. And they're moving everything underneath the label of political so they don't have to talk about it. 
what what is the what is in your opinion the the the, the single biggest issues that the church faces right now? Man, I don't know if I could break it down to one, but I could not agree with you more. They're putting it all under this category that they have labeled. Like think of a file cabinet. They've they put the file politics, you know, never speak about and they put it all in. Right. And I think it, and I think it's a good thing to mention because the 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 charge of white Christian nationalism or just Christian nationalism, the charge against us is basically Never talk about politics. And if you do, you're a Christian nationalist. But the irony is that the Christian left is constantly talking about politics. Yeah. So what, what they really mean is never, ever talk about conservatism. That's what they mean, because they're going to use a bunch of Bible scriptures to say the reason Jesus loved the poor, he loved the oppressed, he took care of the needy, and that is why we must vote for wealth redistribution. And that's why we have to give childcare. I don't know if how many pastors, if you've seen it, how many pastors you've seen say, we can't celebrate Roe getting overturned until we begin to give childcare to moms in need. Now these are pastors. Yeah. Well, that's a, well, that's a political statement. That's just a leftist is. political statement. Yeah. So, but it's also pushing, it's also pushing responsibility off of the church. It's not supposed to be the government that does that stuff. The church yeah. is actually supposed to be the one that like, you're right. We actually do need to help these moms that, that, that are having these babies, or we actually do need to help out couples that can't afford adoption because for some reason, $500 will get you an abortion, but it's $30,000 minimum to adopt a child. Uh, the, the church is actually supposed to be doing that stuff. Well, amen to that. I mean, that's 100% right. I think that what, what's happened in all of this is that we have not had a, um, if for anybody that really cares about Bible theology, just Google the term sphere sovereignty, all right? Sphere, like a circle. Sphere sovereignty is something that in, in Bible um, circles, it basically discusses who is supposed to take care of what. Right. So in America, we've grown up... <laughs> Sorry, leftists, but we've grown up in a in a society very influenced by the Bible. That's right. just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. So, so whether you're a Christian or an atheist, you you've probably grown up with the understanding that you raising your kid is your responsibility. It's not the state's responsibility to come in and say, Graham, we're going to give you X amount of dollars um, to take care of your child and come to our government school. So we force them to learn whatever you want, whatever communist propaganda or whatever. Right. That's not, we all know that. No, it's my responsibility to teach my child the way I think they should be taught. Well, we think that because we've been raised in a society that was very much, you know, found, found on the Bible. What you had in, in the Soviet Union and the Bolshevik Revolution in the early 1900s and whatnot was a revolution against uh, what they would call, you know, czarism and, and the, old, the old way of life and to institute a brand new way of life, which is there are no parents. There are children's collectives. So, so children will be born. They would be put into a collective with other kids. And then they would have administrators from the state would be, would be the overseers of the kids and, and yada, yada, yada. So the point is, is that sphere sovereignty teaches us who has, uh, who has the right under God an authority under God to do certain things. All right. And that's the reason that the state cannot come into the church and say the, the Christian church must teach a B or C doctrine, just like 
if somebody commits a murder, I can't take them to my pastor and put them to death, right? That is unlawful. That's not the church's job. That's the state's job. The state is the one that that meets out justice and, and punishment and, and this and the, right. the other. So yes, I think sphere sovereignty is a massive thing the church needs to be taught on. But I think the pastors are scared. I think that they feel like there's no way that anyone would come to their church, give them their tithes anymore. They're not going to get any money if they come out against things like abortion. If they come out, you know, hardcore, like Graham Allen would on his podcast, they would be like, well, we're going to lose our donors. There's no way we can do that. It's a real, it's a, it's a tragedy. And the last thing I will just say is this, um, it's another, another thing that I'm writing about in my book is the, the incredible power of what is called secular humanism and all secular humanism is basically Secular humanism is in academia. It's the reason that you send your kids to college and they are unrecognizable when you see them again next semester. Um, Humanism is just the idea that we don't need God. We don't need any other. We don't need ancient wisdom. We don't need any sort of uh, transcendent being. It's not just saying Jesus Christ, any transcendent being. We don't need that. Humans on our own, we can find what is right and just and we can build societies on our own terms and and we can end up building a perfect society and i cannot believe how many christians basically they say here's what they think they think jesus is my salvation for when i die but humankind and our own intellect is my salvation on earth does that make sense yeah that mm-hmm. is not that is not true Correct. and and yeah. that what you end up with is is marxism socialism, some form of status control. What you end up with is eugenics. What you, because of dark, because, because science becomes sort of like a God in that world. And so now, you know, uh, survival of the fittest, which ends up leading to eugenics, which ends up leading to the, the Nazis. And, and I mean, just death and destruction awaits secular humanism the end goal being utopia, of course. And we're seeing that happen right now with the Great Reset, yep. the World Economic <clears throat> Forum. Yep. All, the, all that that stuff is, is the outworking of secular humanism, uh, basically an, a, an elite an elite group of men and women who think that they are more evolved than everyone else. They are enlightened in some way, and they can lead us in into the future. So when it comes back down to these the woke Christian leaders they're all for the they're all for utopia. They are all for the secular revolution because they actually believe that those ways are better than the Bible's ways. And the only way they can etch away at that conservative Christian vote in America is to begin to label us something. And they've been labeling us racist for so long. It people are finally awake to that. People are finally realizing that's just a lie, all that, all the woke stuff. Now Christian nationalism is the brand new term that they're using as a battering ram to chip away at, at the uh, Christian vote, basically. No, no, I, I think that's, I think there was a lot of really, really powerful points in that. If we can, if we can try to package this up a little bit, <clears throat> one of my uh, critiques, because uh, as you know, I open myself up to critique uh, these days because I'm trying to move more towards uh uh, a a faith side, really trying to affect people's soul side, and with that, you have to offer some some sort of some sort of good news, some sort of hope at the end of all this stuff here. So, um, 
if I can package everything that we've talked about, whether it be the people that are trying to label Christians that are being bold as white Christian nationalists, uh, the pastors that are weak because they're afraid of, of butts in the seat, which equal to checks in the, in, in the offering plate. Um, to me, it all comes down to a simple phrase of, of, of who owns you. And, and what I mean by that is who owns your heart? Who owns your soul? Who owns you? Uh, I don't believe necessarily, because when we talk about these, these, these woke pastors, these weak pastors, we're, we're really talking about mega churches or celebrity pastors. Am I saying that every church in America is not doing the right thing? No, I've never said that. In fact, it's the churches that you've never heard of that are actually doing the right thing every single day. Yes, mega that's ch- absolutely right. Mega churches make up less than 1% of the churches in America, yet they're all we ever talk about because they have the most influence, the most reach, the most people, the most money, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, as I've gotten older, I have gotten to a point, and I, if you disagree on this, please, please feel free to interject. I'm not necessarily sure that mega churches were ever supposed to be a thing. And, and the reason why is, you know, one of the greatest statements I ever heard is it's really easy to have faith when you're broke, right? It's really easy to have faith when you're broke. Um, Once money, large amounts of money, large overhead, large production costs, large this, large that, once that starts becoming a major factor in what you do, then I think what's happening to these pastors who may have started off with good intentions. Some of them not, but some, I believe, had great intentions. But now they have shifted their faith and their idling from God to how much money is coming in, in tithes, donations, how many are in attendance, how many are streaming online, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's forcing them because they no longer have their eyes set to God. They have their eyes set to, well, we have to maintain this certain amount of money, et cetera, that they they cherry pick what to talk about because, as you said, they're scared of people leaving because people get offended. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible is not worried about offending you. The Bible is worried about you knowing the absolute truth, not her truth or his truth or relative truth, the absolute truth, which is the word of God. Um, the government and the and the, the the Christian academics that are labeling labeling us Christian white Christian nationalists, they're concerned about power. They're concerned about influence, etc. That is their idol. They actually don't have their eyes set on God. And to me, it seems that we need a great reset, if you will, in a good way, (laughs) and shifting our focus back to what actually is supposed to be the purpose of being a Christian in the first place. And our faith lies in God. Uh, The only idol that we have, the only thing that we look up to is God. God is is the person that leads us, guides our steps, and walks us in faith, whether we make seven figures a year or whether whether we make, I don't know, one figure a year, God is supposed to be the center foremost attention that we have our eyes set to. Well, yeah. I mean, and look, you've been ringing this bell 
since I met you <laughs> about <laughs> mega churches. <laughs> Literally, you've been ringing that bell since the day I met you and, and Alyssa. <laughs> I mean, I want to say a couple of things because I, I just because I, I don't want to forget. Yeah, so yeah, I'm gonna yeah, say, yeah, please. I'm going to say three things. Number one, I just want to mention this about the Christian nationalism charge. I, just to refute it. What we keep hearing right now is the rise of Christian nationalism, the rise is it's all happening, whatever. And, and, and they're, they're ignoring the fact that in the last election, we had a record number of African-Americans yeah. vote for Donald Trump, yeah. like the mm-hmm. most hated guy by the media ever. I mean, so all of a sudden you saw a huge jump in African-American support for Donald Trump, a, a, a huge jump for Latinos uh, yeah. for Donald Trump and women. So do you remember that they say if white men had voted for Donald Trump like they did in the first election, he would have won the election. It was white men that went that took their votes to Biden and white women were voting more for Donald Trump. So the whole charge is is kind of ludicrous. And the only way they can answer it is by saying that that black people or, or brown people are basically acting like white supremacists. But I don't know if you've ever seen all those things. They're yep. basically saying they they basically just taken in white supremacy and whiteness, and now they're acting it out by trying to whatever, assimilate. So it's all a lie. You've been ringing the bell against about mega churches for a long time. And I totally, I, I always want to nuance one thing because- Yeah, please. To, to me, if it's, whether it's a mega church, whether it's a church with 10 people, I, I don't really care. The word of God has to be preached, which is what you just said. Right. The word of God has to be preached and we have to live like the church. I have known, I don't know that many mega church, but I will say I went to one, one time they have a, a huge meeting, but during the week they had hundred, literally hundreds of what they would call small house groups. So in other words, you go to a big meeting at this big whatever on Sunday morning, that's your church. And then on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, you all go to your little house groups with 20 or 30 people. And they're all over all the neighborhoods. And there's so many people, they're spread out through the city. Now, to me, that is living church life. The, 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 not, not the big meeting part, the small group part, you know what I mean? Because right. what, the, what the church in the New Testament lived like, they, they had meals together. They lived life together. They were in each mm-hmm. other's families. They, and, I mean, it's like, like when you have a group of guys that you go bowling with and you actually talk about real stuff and you talk about marriage and kids and finances and how you're going to pay your bills and this and the other. That's kind of what should be happening with church life. And so the good news is, is you can do that if you have a small church or a bigger church, but I do agree with you 100% that what tends to happen in mega church is you have to pay that bill. Can you imagine spending $50 million on a building and needing that tithe money or you're not, you're, 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 you're chained to it. Well, I got to have that money. What's going to happen. We're going to lose it all. I do think that the tendency is to do that without a doubt. I agree with you. Uh, I'm 99% in agreement with you. You've been ringing that bell for a long time, and I think that you're right. One other thing I would add to it, my biggest beef isn't even with those pastors. My biggest beef is with what I would call, I always call them the intelligentsia. Some of those pastors are in the intelligentsia, but some of them are more like the think piece writers. You right. know, they're like the, it's it's people like, you know, like maybe Tim Keller. All right. right. Tim Keller's yeah. a great Bible philosopher. Imagine this, Graham. Imagine that you are 
<laughs> by the way, you always say I'm smarter than you, which is not true. I just happen to be more in the theological circles than you. <laughs> no, you're definitely just, smarter. Just than so me. people know, uh, just so you know, when I have a question about politics or how to how to phrase something, I'll text Graham and say, "How do I phrase this?" Graham helped me with that a lot. So, um, but but imagine this. Imagine that you're really, really smart, all right? You're an intellectual. You have the brain to understand all these different philosophies, and you know how not only to think about them, you can categorize it, you can write about it, you can write books about it. Imagine being that person, but in the climate of the 2020s, you're never allowed at the table because you believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in this fairy tale that there's a God above the whole world that wants to save you from your sins, right? right. And you're always kicked out of the circles. And even when you write something intellectual, they look at you like you're some sort of joke and you don't get a seat at the table. Imagine how good it would feel to, for them to say, hey, you know what? We're gonna give you a seat at the table if you would just give in on a few things. Right. That's what's happened in, in the Christian intelligentsia. They've given in on a few things. They want to be liked by that world. They want to be embraced by that world. And the next thing you get is you get David French writing these articles or Tim Keller, Tim Keller tweeting out, you know, Christians don't understand how to do politics. One of the tweet, Tim Keller is a great theologian and a brilliant man. He's written some great things, but he tweeted out about six months ago. It was like, literally like two weeks before Roe got overturned. He tweets out, Christians don't know how to do politics. He says, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, murder was, was wrong, but idolatry was wrong too. But today, Christian evangelicals, they want to make abortion illegal, but they never want to make idolatry illegal. It just shows that they don't understand how to do politics. And he, and he got hammered by people like me. I'm not near as smart as Tim Keller. But what I know for a fact is any teenager would understand that there is a difference between a crime and a sin, yeah. right? You know, killing someone and then not loving the Lord your God with all your heart. <laughs> there is a right. different price to Absolutely. pay in terms of, a, of, of society, the damage that it causes someone else. So all of a sudden, the, the I feel about the Christian intelligentsia, how you feel about mega churches, but I think all of it's involved and you nailed it. What we have to do is go back and say, you know what? Is the Bible real or not? And if the Bible is right, then the Bible has something to say about every area of life. Guess what? Sorry, guys. The Bible has something to say about politics. The Bible has something to say about civil law. The Bible has something to say about marriage and how you're supposed to treat your neighbor. And the more that churches try to act like the Bible doesn't answer those things, and instead they go to read Karl Marx you know, and Ibram Kendi, and they have this book for your little kids to read, the more they do that, the more that they, they the, the, things are going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. No, I, I agree 100%. John, I, I mean, you're one of my, uh, not only a, a very, very, very close friend, but you're one of my go-to people when I really want to get in-depth talks about uh, Christianity and religion and, and, and theology, et cetera. Um, real quick, uh, John, before I close it out, where can people go to find out what's going on with Skillet, what's going on with you? Well, thanks so much, Graham. That's very kind. I had a great time being back on, man. I loved it. And, you know, I always keep up with you. If people want to find out about me, my podcast is called Cooper Stuff. Go check it out. It comes out every Monday. Uh, you can find me on, on Instagram, John L. Cooper. 
that's on basically all all the formats. Skillet, of course, is still touring like crazy. Um, we have a new album out. It is called Dominion. And uh, please go check that out. I have a new book that's going to be coming out. Um, Lord willing, I'll be announcing that in the next few months. Um, I have not told anybody what this is the first time I've ever announced the name of it. So I get to do it right here on your show. Ooh, all right. Come on. Let's the, do the, it. The, but the book is going to be called Wimpy, Weak, and Woke. That's the name of the Hit book. The applause. I love it. I love it. I love it. Amazing. I know Amazing. you like that I title. That. So yeah, that's check good. it out. And uh, and if anybody wants to get my first book, it is called Awake and Alive to Truth. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on my website, johnlcooper.com. Awake and Alive to Truth also is on Audible. And uh, yeah, that's about it, brother. I thought you were going to call it David French can shove it. But either way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, call, I call him David the French Revolution. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, to, to end this out, John, thank you so much for being here. For those of you that are listening, uh, there's some of you right now that, that that see what we see, that feel what we feel. There's some of you that God's pulling on your heart and telling you to do things. And, and, and there's one thing that John will tell you. There's one thing that I've discovered greatly. Everybody in church world is going to tell you what you can't do. Uh, it's it's very sad how many people in church world will not tell you what you can do and lead you down the road to do it. Uh, I, I want to speak into you today that if God's put on your heart to do something, whether that's to uh, jump into a church, whether that's to, uh, 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 to start a band, uh, whether that's to uh, go down a path to be a preacher, a pastor, well, an evangelist, whatever that may be, you are enough to go do that. And God rarely calls the qualified. In fact, most of the time he calls the unqualified to do those things. That's all we have for this episode of the Dear America podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, one, make sure to check out John's podcast, Cooper Stuff. But first, make sure to share this episode and this podcast with your friends, your family, send it to five people, tell them to subscribe. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you all again next time.